Welcome back to another episode of Let's Face the Facts. I'm your host. My name is David Almeida, and this is the podcast where every week I sit down with an actor or artist friend from the Central Florida, Orlando area. We watch an episode of the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life, and then we talk about the show, the episode, and anything and everything else that it might inspire us to discuss. This week, my guest is another returning guest. We've got Cameron Francis. He is back. If you recall, last time he was here for Brian and Sylvia, the failed Richard Dean Anderson backdoor pilot about the interracial couple. So this is really his first true Facts of Life episode. So I'm glad I was able to get him back. I'm glad that during the episode, I do take a moment and highlight his magic career, because I kind of forgot to do that last time. Because not only is he a very talented actor and performer, he is also a uh, pretty amazing magician. So we talk about it, and extra bonus feature, no additional charge, he actually gives us a magic trick that we can do at home in the privacy of our own living room. Cameron and I watched season three, episode 21. It's called Mind Your Own Business. And the original air date was March 24th, 1982. I think we're ready to jump on in, kids. Let's face the facts with Cameron Francis. Welcome back, Cameron Francis. So excited to be here. You got to see a real show. Yes. And um, I'm really happy that somebody canceled between Paul Padilla and you. Yes. Because... Uh, I realized as we were preparing for this, had that person not canceled, you would have had the Academy, another failed backdoor pilot that had nothing to do with the show. That is funny. Oh, my gosh. I probably would have just skipped it. I would have said, yeah. okay, we're just going to move on to the next one. Yeah. I would have done them out of order and just said, uh, let's do that. But, I could oh. have been king of the backdoor pilots. <laughs> I like that title, too. I used to dance under that name Yay. in college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but to to remind uh, my fives of listeners, you are the very lucky soul. You got the wonderful Brian and Sylvia. The wonderful. The wonderful. Because <laughs> when you want interracial jokes yes. from a room full of white writers. Yes, in 19, what, 81? 81? Yeah. yeah. But that's, that was a great time for race and television, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. It was, it was a great Aww. time for race in our country. For, in, our, in our entire country, any, yeah. Any yeah. T- uh, like, like our friend Trinell says. Yeah. Yeah, any time in the past is a it's great time for racism. <laughs> <laughs> and that's very, very ironically, yeah. she says that. Yes. Um, so we, we've watched the episode. Yes. And before we start, of course, I do need to ask my guest, as mm-hmm. I always do, mm-hmm. to give the one to two sentence TV guide synopsis of the episode as a whole before we go on. Uh, um, wanting to do something... Uh, nice for Natalie, Blair uh, uh, finds the key to Natalie's diary <gasps> and unlocks it and finds out some things she maybe didn't want to know. Okay. Stay tuned. Yeah, so it's very, it's it's about betrayal and diaries oh, and it's keys, secrets keys revealed. And socks and, and secrets, yes. <laughs> keys and socks. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. Oh, we will we will absolutely get to that. Yeah. Uh so let's let's get right to it. We okay. can start in synopsizing here. Yes. We start off in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, we want to point out some costuming things. And by we, I mean I. Okay. Uh, Blair is wearing her blue blazer. Yes. And as we know, I'm obsessed with Blair's blue blazer. Okay, yes, I know this. Now, I, I have a theory. So she's the only one that wears a blazer. Literally the okay. only blazer. I have a theory as to this, but what's your theory as to why they did this? Um, I think it's because she they think she's fat and they're doing it to try and Okay, good. Her. I'm glad I'm just not a horrible person for thinking no. that and that you thought that as well. Okay, good. Yeah, because that's exactly what I thought too. That, yeah, you know, maybe, it's one of those things where it yeah. covers her, but it gives a little bit of structure. Right. And um, right. yeah, and she's such a huge fatty fat. She's probably a size eight. And, yeah. Uh, it's offensive to our eyes yes. to have to look at a teenager who is curvy. <laughs> um, so now Tootie is wearing one of the athletic suits. Mm-hmm. And it, we've seen these many times before. Illogically, the colors of Eastland are obviously royal blue and maroon. maroon yes. And yet the gym suit is this yellow and navy blue. Oh, it is, isn't it? And yeah. it's been that way since the, since uh, first season. They've right. had this weird... They must have just had a sale on gym suits or something, and they never changed it. So throughout this scene, Tootie is doing some sort of half-ass calisthenics that yeah. don't make any sense. No. So she's kind of doing some sort of stretches, yeah. some reaching over her head, and it's literally just the director was just like, okay, we need something for her to do. She's just there in right. the scene. Right, right, right. So it's kind of like, okay, well, whatever. Um, and Natalie is in standard uh, standard school uniform. I forget if she's wearing her cardigan or not. Doesn't really matter. Right. <laughs> and and then Joe walks in uh-huh. from field hockey. Now, okay, maybe... And I watched this episode last night, so my memory might be a little fuzzy. Yeah. There's dirt all over, like, the shirt and yes. the pants. Does she have any dirt on her face? No. And this is odd to me. Yes. <laughs> like, somehow, all the dirt managed to strategically land on her clothing, but <laughs> missed her skin entirely. Yeah, that's a wonderful sitcom trope. Yeah. <laughs> We, I've criticized the makeup so often. It's far. Yeah. It's like no, no, no. We have put four pounds of blush on her, right? And dark purple eyeshadow. We're not going to mess that up yes, by yes. putting dirt on there. But <laughs> yeah, I got to admit, when Joe comes in dressed feel, dressed in her field hockey, yeah, wow, it suits her, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. It really does. It really does. <laughs> yeah. If Matthew were here, he would yep. be pulling the diesel horn sound effect. <laughs> but... Yep. <laughs> yep. But um. Yeah. So what we've got going on in this scene is Blair is bugging Natalie to help her with her chemistry. Chemistry, that's right. Yes. She really needs a B plus on this, and she feels like Natalie is the only uh, way she could possibly achieve this. Right. Um, I don't recall. There are so many elements of this episode that are, I don't recall this ever being a thing before or after, mm-hmm. such as we've never really discussed whether Blair is a particularly good or bad student. You assume they're all good students. Yeah, yeah. But um, we, we we have had times when it's like, oh, I have a test. I have a Spanish test I got to study for. Right. But we've never really dealt much with Blair kind of in a worry state about her grades. Interesting. And so that's a, a new thing of many that we approach here and then we just abandon. Um, in the same vein... Natalie being the chemistry whiz, who is the magical uh, pill that Blair needs to take to make herself a a chemistry passable student. Um, Natalie's never really been a chemistry person before or after this. But it's like, okay. Um, Natalie is being elusive, though, because she is busy. She's like, Blair, leave me alone. I'm busy. Natalie is doing the very important thing of writing in her diary. 
Right. And Mrs. Garrett does come into the girl's bedroom here. And what we learn from her is she is in the process of yes. trying to write a speech. Right. For a diet- dietary. Is it a dietary society? Di- is that right? Dietitians. Dietitian society. Yeah. What? And Which... apparently that's a thing. What? According to the sitcom. But I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's like well, she's speaking. Now, bear in mind, she's only been the dietitian for what? A year and a half now? Okay. Like she's not, it's not like she's been doing it for 20 years. Like she's this right. veteran. Right. It's like she was, she was cleaning the Drummond's toilets two years ago. Right. Or three years ago. So it's dietitian. Not, not like diet is in like losing weight. Just like uh, diet is in like the quality of food you eat and what you eat or well, something. Well, creating or? a menu. C- creating, creating a menu. A oh, I see. Creating a menu. Okay. Yeah. All that's right. what, that's what a dietitian does. That's oh, okay. why. It's like, okay, well, if we have pizza, you should have a salad. So there's some right, sort of some green. Sort of, yes, yes. Yeah, that way, it's a dietitian's job, I presume, to make sure you don't have a plate full of gray things. Mm-hmm. That you need color and right. protein and carbohydrates and yeah, yeah. balancing all that stuff out. Um, so she's speaking at a dietitian's convention. You're like, well, she's a dietitian. Okay. Yeah. Not really yeah. heard much about her being involved with this group. Yeah. To the level that she would be a speech giver. But mm-hmm. you're like, okay, whatever. But she's having a real tough time trying to think of her speech. And it's in just a few hours. And I want to start with some jokes. And, and she's struggling. And uh, in typical form. Very typical. Girls are like, yeah, whatever. Don't really give a fuck. Yeah. They're really... Yeah, they're totally indifferent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thankfully, Mrs. Garrett isn't seeking sympathy or support from no. them. She just no. is needing to vent her nerves. Right, right. So thankfully, she doesn't require anything. Right. Good thing. If she did, they'd be probably yeah. providing none of it. Absolutely nothing to her. No, uh, yeah. I don't care. So we have this. And then... Um, Self-absorbed. <laughs> teenagers. God. God. Suck. The, the convention, I don't know if we know it now, but it comes up later, that it's in Poughkeepsie. Mm-hmm. And I did look up where Poughkeepsie was to see if that was viable, because she was going to drive there. And it is about an hour's drive away from Peekskill. So oh. it's, it is, that is viable. Okay. So wait a minute. So Facts of Life actually takes place in a real place? A real Peekskill, New York. Oh, yes. that's not just something they made up for the show. No, like, that's a real place. Wow. We have no idea I what it is. I thought it was is. like Port Charles or something, where it's just or, like a made-up place. From River City, Iowa. Or, or yeah. River City, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, some some made-up town. Yeah. By the way, before we continue, I just have to tell you, um, so it's about, it was around this time that, I don't know what platform you sent me this uh, this show on. It was on some kind of a... a it was it daily, dailymotion.com. Okay, they had... The weirdest commercials ever, Didn't by the way. They? Okay, so one of these commercials was a really like snarky ad for the Oakland Airport. And there was all these like people from like o- San Francisco, Oakland, Cal- California. California. Like they're like area in their airports. And all these like like um, San Francisco people were like, well, Oakland's okay, I guess. Okay, maybe it is better than okay. It was a really weird commercial advertising Oakland, California. The second commercial was for pot roast at Perkins. <laughs> because when I think pot roast, I yeah, think Perkins. Perkins. It yeah. was the most bizarre ads I'd ever seen. And I was like, who, 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 it, who well, decided that these were great? But you know what? I guess so because who's watching Facts of Life? Probably like old people like me. And, you know, so then of course it's, uh, Perkins is going to appeal to us. Because, uh, you know, when you hit a certain age, you're like, you know, I wouldn't mind dining at Perkins. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to get out the old, uh, pretty soon yeah. I'm going to have that old, you know, get out the AARP discount or whatever the hell it is, you know. <laughs> And know. and you know they have the early bird specials, the early the, bird specials, and the and senior the liquid, citizen discount, liquid roast beef through a straw. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Side note, but, but no. Anyway. Here's the funny thing: you talk about aren't those the weirdest ads? I would turn that back on you. 
and I would say, what is in your cookies on your computer? Because that is, to me, Dailymotion is one of those sites where you know they're finding shit about you to target those commercials. You got me. I look at pot roast porn all yeah. the time. As soon as I go to Pornhub, my first search is pot roast. Pot roast see what pops porn. Up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. I, won't, I won't say pressure cooker. You're going to get <laughs> too excited. <laughs> but mine, uh, interestingly, I watched it. We, we for, for the listeners, we watched it separately because yes. we're recording from a, a covert location mm-hmm. that may or may not be located in a major theme park. But, um, <laughs> but the thing is, so we're doing this after work. So to coordinate the timing of it, yes. we said, let's watch the show ahead of time just as a safeguard so we don't run out of time. And uh, when I watched it today on my phone, I uh, the ad it kept showing the same 15-second ad twice in a row. Hmm. And it was for some type of an island resort. I, I think it, it feels like it's in the Bahamas. It's like Castaway Key, wow. which is Disney's, yeah. you know, it's, it's like, hey, it's not just a hotel. It's an island that we own. <laughs> It was the same type of thing where it showed parasailing in the beautiful tropical waters and, you know, the walks on the beach and stuff. And of course, because anyone who knows me knows I'm not a big traveler. That's not a big thing. Oh, I thought you might have been in your previous life. I had no idea. No. Oh, I thought maybe like before you worked here, you were like, you know, off off gallivanting around the world. But here's the thing. I did happen to make a trip to Australia, New Zealand end of last year that's right i remember that that was my big 50th birthday trip yeah yeah. so it could just be that they somehow somewhere because i made a reservation for something the computer might have been like oh this is a traveler let's get him let's get him in on this or he he signed up for sky mile rewards somewhere or something like that. you know what i did watch on hbo the show uh the football show because i don't watch sports but i love documentaries about sports it's weird a hard knocks it's training camp and it was for the oakland raiders Shut up. So maybe that's why I, somehow... I would not doubt that one bit. Isn't that I would weird not doubt it a What bit. an odd, like, it's a stretch, but yeah, it could be. Well, the other thing to me that's so weird is that clearly the ads that pop up on Facebook, they're talking to, like, right. Amazon and all that. Sure, sure, sure. But so often, things will pop up on Amazon, like, um, I bought one of those Ring alarm systems. Right. And I, I got it through Amazon. Well, next thing I know, I start seeing it popping up in ads on my Facebook, it's like I already bought it, right? And it's and it's an alarm. It, yeah. I have I only have one house. Yeah. It's so weird that the way the the targeting works and what the what the algorithm is. There's the word algorithm. Yeah, algorithm. Yeah. But mine was for vacation, and I'm trying to think what the there was another ad too that it uh, kept pulling up, but I can't think of what it was either. Yeah. But um, no, but you're totally right. Daily Motion does that, and I'm very sure it's different for each and every person. Oh, yeah. Who watches yeah. it. I wish it was available streaming on like a Hulu or a Netflix, but this is the best we can do. Right. And that's where I have to steer the listeners as well. That's what I post on the website for people to stay caught up with the shows. It's, it is what it is. Hot roast porn, man. I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) All right. So anyway, I guess back to the show, right? So, yes. (laughs) So while Mrs. Garrett is nervous about this speech, I do have to point out we have very different Mrs. Garrett hair in this show. Oh, see, I wouldn't, I didn't know that. We don't have the Cats and Jammer Kids soda bottle <laughs> top not on top of her head. I know exactly what you're talking about, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. That, this, that tight, tightly yeah. wound little bun on yeah. the literal top of her head. We have a much softer, lovelier, speaking of River City, Iowa, very turn-of-the-century Gibson girl. It's mm-hmm. clearly a piece. Yes. Like a, a round bun-like piece that's farther back on the crown of her head. It is larger, it is softer, it matches her hair, and it looks 
magnificent. <laughs> Still about, you know, 60 years out of date. Right. But for already wearing these bizarre matronly hairdos yeah. for her, this was a welcome just change of pace, if nothing else, because it's like I, I'm really not a fan of the. It looks like a, a soda top bottle yeah bottle top exact, on top yes, of her head yeah it's such a tight tight knot it doesn't make any sense yeah and i'm happy that it will be gone after this season is over they soften her up a little yeah yeah exactly the softer side of mrs so, so garrett um so uh then this weird moment of the many many weird moments in yeah. this show where oh, you're yeah. like huh natalie says okay everybody turn around yeah and we have this ceremonious pageant-like moment <laughs> where everybody follows suit and turns their back to Natalie, yeah. whom we then see lock her diary mm-hmm. and then open up her steamer, not her steamer, what's it called, her footlocker, uh-huh. and uh, go through this process of hiding the key. Right. And what we, the audience, see is she takes the key and puts it inside a sock and then puts it inside the footlocker and then closes it in the diary, and there it is. Yeah. And then everyone turns around. Right. Back around. And it's like, okay, you're sharing a room with three other girls. Yeah. You have like two cubic feet of personal space. Do you really think somebody couldn't find it if they really looked for it? Yeah. You bring the diary and the key in the same place. It's so, it would be, yeah, it's really easy to find. It was really preposterous. It was preposterous. And yet everybody followed suit like it was a regularly occurring thing that we've never seen happen before or since it was a very brady bunch moment to me it felt like something from the brady bunch i don't know i don't i as I in hokey hokey and shittily written ho- yeah, yes exactly. you're right and very like you know just i don't know, do 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 i don't know it was just weird yeah but it, it, it the whole actually the whole episode to me i don't know why it just brady bunch popped into my head during the whole episode because i think there was a lot of moments like that it was just very hokey well, and uh, it was them acting a lot younger than they are yeah i think that's what it is too yes yeah there was a lot of snipping and yeah. snooping and being bitchy to each other and right it's, yeah they didn't... it's very weird anyway um then blair does mention that she's waiting on a phone call from a boy called Stuart. that oh, right. does come up later um and then finally natalie agrees fine i'll help you with your chemistry um uh, something about it she was going to watch a tv show oh she was going to watch family feud and she says it's like that's the best kissing on television yes she said that it's so gross what? no oh, oh richard dawson uh, no. yeah oh see uh. my thing with richard dawson it's not whether it smells of whiskey and cigarettes <laughs> it's, it's what level <laughs> well, of... yeah how much it smells like whiskey and cigarettes. yeah I imagine oh. I imagine it's whiskey cigarettes and a lot of like breath mints on top oh, of it. Yeah, to try to hide it. In, but, and, and I loved Family Feud growing up. Yeah. But it is weird now to look at it in hindsight where he yeah. kisses every single yeah. woman on the lips, including the teenagers. Yeah. And it's like, it's kind of, yeah, it's a little, icky. Little icky. But um, anyhow, so Natalie leaves and then uh, Blair, I forget if, if Tootie has left, but it doesn't really matter. But... Uh, we have Blair saying that she wishes there was something she could do for right. Natalie. Right. And she is so happy that Natalie's helping her. And she says, I'd love to do something or buy her something. If only there was a way for me to get into her brain. Right. And somehow the diary comes up and Joe is the voice of reason and honesty and bluntness. And she's like, don't even think about it. 
Right. And Blair says, I resent that insinuation. At which point, Joe leaves. I think Tootie goes out with Joe and Blair is left alone. And immediately she goes into the footlocker, pulls out the sock, pulls out the key, unlocks the diary. And just as she is in the yeah. middle cot, literally with her hands in the cookie jar, Joe comes back in. Yes. I got to tell you, too, that was one of my favorite moments from the show was when the room is completely empty and Blair, as she walks toward the little footlocker, looks around, whistles like, like I, acting innocent. Yes. And it opens up. I'm like, there's nobody there. You don't have to act innocent for anybody. Just go over and open it. It was like you do that when there's other people around to yeah. act like you're innocent. Well, first of all, which is, you know, I mean, it's a ridiculous trope anyway. Yeah. But like, it's even more ridiculous when there's no one else in the room. You're just doing it for your own amusement. Uh, like, it's, it's so weird to and, me. And that's such a... um. That's such like a Warner Brothers cartoon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like well, kind of looking gonna... around like, oh, who's going to see yeah. me? The room's well, empty. Well, no one's going to see you. Yeah, that's such a, that's the middle-aged, <laughs> that's the middle-aged vaudevillian writers as I've, <laughs> as I've cited many, many times. Yes. Um, so then as soon as Joe catches her and she's like, oh, really? Moments ago, you were resenting my insinuation. So... Blair tries to justify it. And she's like, look, I just don't have the time to get creative. This is just going to be an easy way for me to figure out what Natalie wants. What about balloons, man? Balloons? A card? Money? What? Yeah. Why? <laughs> and again, I wish there's some way to get in Natalie's brain. You live with her. Right. You work with her. Right. You go to school with her. How do you not know? The only way to know. And I mean, like, what do you write in your diary, too? You don't usually write, like, I mean, some, I yeah. guess you write stuff. You want usually you write about I some want, hot guy. I, or like, I want a new pair of Reeboks. Yeah, or the blue kind. Darkest fantasies, like I don't yeah. Know, like what do you wish? And it's like Natalie. If, we all know Natalie yeah. as well as Blair does. Yeah. And we know the perfect gift for Natalie, male sex worker. That's right. all that she would want. Natalie's horny. Yeah. And Great and it's 1982. Right. Perfectly appropriate gift for a 15 year old girl. <laughs> um, so uh, there is a very funny moment though. Blair is trying to justify it, and Joe's like, keep talking. Maybe you'll convince yourself. And then Blair says, well, since it's already open, right. and then she reaches over and opens, opens it. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do great. love that moment. That's very funny. So Blair starts reading the diary. Joe kind of looks on. A little party is like, Joe, for being the sensible one, Joe, you almost think in real, true to the character, Joe would have taken the diary, locked it, and just put it away right. and said, no. Yeah. You want this? You're going to invade her privacy? You got to go through me. Right. That's really what I would have expected more of Joe. But anyway, um, so Blair looks in the diary, and we get three little tidbits here. Number one, she hates Miss Muldoon. Natalie says that she thinks Miss Muldoon is a moose jaw and a hunchback. <laughs> And we've never heard of Miss Muldoon before. We never hear of her again. And then secondly, we hear that she is madly in love with Philip Finkelman. Philip Finkelman. Yes, Philip I Finkelman. Love that name. He sounds like sex on a stick. He does. Oh, he sounds so hot. Philip. I've I've never been hotter for a dude than Philip. a Philip Finkelman. Philip Finkelman. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie, I was wondering if I could borrow your slide rule. Yeah. Yeah. If do you have an extra toothpick? Cause I got some food stuck in my braces. Nerd love. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's that, and then as Blair flips the page, Blair's like, "What?" And the quote is, "Blair Warner is an egotistical, selfish, air-brained witch." 
dum 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 to which you should have gone yeah and And, exactly (laughs) she's like good it's working but blair is outraged she says this was only a couple of days ago right and she says that two-faced crumb Crumb. calling her a crumb. crumb how dare she stab me in the back and Joe says, oh, come on. Diaries are just temporary feelings. She doesn't really think all that stuff about you like I do. Uh, <laughs> that was good. Perfect. Um, two-faced crumb. I mean, that, that sounds like a dated insult, even for 1982. Yeah. Like, that's like, that sounds like it's from, like, 1927. Crumb. Why, you, you crumb? Yeah. I'm going to get you. You two-faced crumb? You two-faced crumb? Yeah. Yeah, like, it's just... <laughs> Who knew as soon as they turned up the heat, you'd start singing like a stool pigeon. <laughs> so then we go into the cafeteria. Now, uh, we do have to point out, Tootie having a bad hair show. We're, we've had Mrs. Garrett's having a good hair episode. Right. Tootie's having a bad hair Is show. She? Yeah, they, they've they got it blown out into that penis bowl cut, <laughs> penis head bowl cut. That's right. Um, like they've had, but it's asymmetrical. It's like they didn't get the bangs oh, down low enough yeah. on one side, so it looks like they're crooked. And interesting, you know, hair and makeup. We've we've yeah. questioned whether how much how much cocaine they're doing. Cocaine. They're not the cocaine. Paying, the cocaine. Mm. Um. So then, uh, Natalie is there doing some of her studies. The girls are working, and uh. At one point, Natalie says something to the effect of, oh, I'm an open and above board kind of gal. And we get a glare from Blair. Mm-hmm. Blair is still seething and stewing. So then Mrs. Garrett comes in, still nervous. And now we're learning more details. Um, I'm, I think this is when we learn that it, the, the speech is in Poughkeepsie. Mm-hmm. We learn that there are going to be 1,300 people in the Fanny Bryce Memorial Ballroom. <laughs> Yes. What? What? Why Fanny Bryce? Why exactly? And I looked it up. I'm like, maybe one of the writers has some roots in Poughkeepsie. Right. Maybe he just wanted to give a shout out to his hometown or something. No, no, no. such thing. Just, just. No, there the is top. no Fanny Bryce Memorial Ballroom in Poughkeepsie, New York, that that I can find on the interwebs. But yeah, but I mean, why even mention that? Why Fanny Bryce? It's I guess like they thought it would be funny. Sure, yeah. Like everyone loves Fanny Bryce references. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, if you want to know, Fanny Bryce was like, I think her radio popularity was the forties. Uh, yeah, this, but uh, with vaudeville and how old were the people who wrote for the show? Like really? Like they must have been ancient I, as hell. I know it's crazy. <laughs> Barbara Streisand played young Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl. Oh right. That's in the right. Yeah. in that was yeah. the stage. The stage show was sixty four. Mm-hmm. Ray Stark was the producer. Ray Stark was an old man at that time. Yeah. Fanny Bryce was his mother in law. Right. So it's like that's how. Fanny Bryce is old. We're talking Zigfield Follies old. And yet they felt the need to mention it in this 1982 sitcom about teenage girls. Anyway. Right. Um, As you do. So Mrs. Blair mentions that she's come from the library with a joke book. Maybe thinking she might find a joke because she still can find a perfect way to yes. open her speech. And... Um, she mentions in passing, oh, by the way, in the library, they just got a new shipment of books, and Mrs. Muldoon could use some help if any of you are feeling generous with your time. Right. Uh, nothing to do with you have to feed an entire school three meals a day, and you're working off a debt, and you work, you're, you're my fucking slaves. But, <laughs> but um, so, Miss Muldoon, 
is the one brought up. That is the one you will recall. Yes. Natalie wrote about in her diary. So Blair says, oh, Natalie, you should go help Miss Muldoon. And Natalie's like, why? And she even and she even refers to her as Moose Jaw Muldoon. Moose Jaw Muldoon. And Blair says, well, you two are so much alike. And right. she's like, alike? She's like, of course, you have such similar personalities and you look so much alike. Joe quickly sees what's going on and Joe's running interference. And she's like, um, hey, why don't we go somewhere else and do anything different than this? Yeah. At which point um, she says, let's go let's go see a movie, I think. And Blair says, yeah, maybe you'll run into Philip Finkelman while you're there. Yeah. And Natalie's like, why would you think I would have any concern about Philip Finkelman? And Blair's like, you told me so. And Natalie's like, no, I didn't. Mm -hmm. I've told nobody. And even Tootie's like, yeah, she's never even said anything to me. And Tootie and Natalie are besties. So, um, uh, so then she says, it doesn't matter anyway, since Philip has never given you a second glance. Ooh, God. Blair yeah. goes for the jugular. She is a... She is a B-word. episode. You know, uh, it's interesting, too. And it's like, I guess she just doesn't really care that that Natalie knows that she went into her diary. She's just like, whatever. Well, she's about gonna... to let let the whole blow the whole cover here. But oh, that, that, yeah, that's true. She I hasn't guess she does. yet. She's about to, though. But yeah, the fact that she would bring this stuff, I guess it's just Blair is just seething over what Natalie said and wants to somehow get a jab at her, but is forgetting herself. Uh, yeah, because at big time. and But just, I mean, so vicious. Yeah. I mean, she basically calls her ugly, says this guy's never given her that. Like, just... Like, yeah. like, really, like, I mean, it's nasty. But it's, to Natalie's credit, she gives it right back to Blair. And I mean, she's true, like, fair enough. She's but, like, yeah, well, like that boy Stuart you yeah. were telling us was the love of your life. Yeah. Who hasn't called in two weeks. <laughs> and I know you've been waiting. Yeah. Blair tries to push back. Right. And her response is, oh, come on, Blair. We all know everything about this boy because all you share everything about him. Right. And Blair barks back with an egotistical selfish airbrain which doesn't share <laughs> at which point the cat's out of the bag wow and so natalie's That's like nasty. you read my diary yeah and one of the funniest lines in the episode mrs garrett says oh you took the key out of the sock, sock? yeah i loved that that was that was one of my favorite lines too and the reaction to and natalie's like you all know and it's of course you want to yeah. say you live in three square feet. How could you not know? How would yeah. we not know? How would they not know? Come it's, on. I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, I thought that line was funny too, actually. You're right. It's one of the few genuinely funny lines of the yeah. show. Yeah, and, and Mrs. Garrett's reaction is kind of funny in yeah. terms of the, oh, oh I said too much. Yes. Kind of like, yeah. speaking of. But it would have been appropriate there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, anyway. So Blair says, well, I went there to try and figure out what type of a gift to give you until I read what you wrote about me. Yes. And Natalie says, oh, well, don't worry. It won't happen again. We are making some changes around here. Right. And then we go to commercial. Yes. Now, yes. I do want to point out that last week we had the episode Kids Can Be Cruel, mm-hmm. where Blair told a boy that Natalie had a crush on him. Uh-huh. And he led her down so gently and sweetly and told her, oh, Natalie, I know, but I'm seeing so-and-so. Natalie's, she literally said to Blair, Blair, I take, this is war, and I take no prisoners. So we are literally one week away from Blair crossing Natalie 
and Natalie's revenge being swift and somewhat merciless. Uh huh. So we're here back to don't look in her diary. Be smart. Yeah, yeah. Be of smart. course, back then they they filmed these things so they didn't have to be shown in order. You know, they, it wasn't a continuous storyline. So yeah. they, they could show many. So so it, it whatever what happened one week is inconsequential to what happens the next week. It's all yeah. it all resets at the end of the episode. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, especially back then with sitcoms. So that's just a, a little thing I wanted to point out. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. These were not written with any sense of cohesion or integrity. Of course. Episode it is episode. funny, though, that they did do these but back we, we literally just yeah. had a Blair fucking with Natalie right. and being sorry that she did. So um, so that's one little consistency in character. But, um, but we're at commercial right now. Yeah. And last time you were here, yes. I discussed your acting career at length right and then proceeded to flog myself and i still haven't completely gotten over the fact that i at no time brought up your very impressive and decorated career as a professional magician well thank you yeah so talk about your magic very quickly how did you get into it and uh you you've like you've performed at the magic castle I out in la which have. is a big deal it's a big deal to every yeah. magician yeah and uh, so talk about your magicianal roots. Sure. First of all, let's talk about you flogging yourself. Um, and, uh, are you going to uh, be, sh- be doing this later during the... Uh, uh, show you later. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, I've... Um, well, I was a bit... I was always into magic as a child, but then got out of it for many years. And it was not until, I don't know, my early 30s that I got back into it. So I got back into it very late. Um, but I sort of found I had a sort of a thing for close-up magic and it just kind of evolved and I eventually started creating my own tricks and marketing them. I'm more known as someone who creates tricks than I am as someone who performs. I mean, most people don't know me as a performer. They know me as like, oh, I bought your magic trick. You know, like uh-huh. I, I have tricks at magic shops and in online stores and stuff. Yeah, I um, did direct people to your website. Oh, yeah, and sure, there is, sure. I did point out that there is yeah. merch and that's... Yes, sort of, yes. Okay. So that's sort of what I do uh, on the side, sort of my side hustle, and I really yeah. enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. And close-up magic is typically cards? Cards, coins, you... small objects, bills, things like that. They, you know, stuff that you can do at someone's table um, as opposed to like, you know, big illusions or... Uh, stand-up magic, which tends to be larger props as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I do a little bit of... I don't do any big illusions, but I do a little bit of stand-up. You know, make you know, an elephant stuff. disappear. Make or an elephant disappear. <laughs> drop a man in a tank of water. And... So to speak. <laughs> hi uh, <laughs> So, uh, yeah. So you were preparing. You said you had some type of a trick that you wanted well, to share with my fives of listeners. I do want to share a trick with you. Here's what's going to happen. Okay. I'm going to guide your listeners through a magic trick <gasps> that they will perform themselves. Wow. So... For the people listening to this podcast right now, here's a the, magic trick a invented magic trick. by Cameron Francis, professional magician. <laughs> so here's what I want everyone to do, all of you listeners at home. What I want you to do is grab a deck of cards, okay? And once you've done that, shuffle those cards up really, really well. Now, after you've done that, I want you to remove five cards from the deck. Now, keep them face down and shuffle those uh, five cards as well. Turn over the top card of that five-card packet and remember it. So you're going to remember that card and then turn it face down again. So your card that you're thinking of is face down on top of the five-card packet. Now what you're going to do is you're going to start on your left and you're going to deal into two alternating piles. So you deal left, right, 
left, right, etc. With the remaining cards that are not the five. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. With with the five cards. Okay. In fact, you know what you can do? Take the rest of the deck that you had before and just place it aside. You're only using five okay, cards. Okay, we're only using these five cards. Okay. I have anxiety. I need to know details. Oh, no, that's okay. So you're dealing those five cards, starting on your left, into two alternating piles. Now, once you've done that, pick up the pile on your left, drop it on the pile on your right, and pick up that combined packet of five cards. Now, here's what they're going to do, and this is kind of fun. You're going to do something called a duck and deal procedure. And this is an interesting way of mixing up cards. What you do is you deal, you take the top card from the packet, place it on the bottom, deal the next card onto the table, and then you repeat one card under the packet, one on the table. Keep repeating until you're left with one card in your hand, and then place that on top of the other four on the table. Now, this done, what you're going to do is you're going to deal the cards starting on your left into a row moving to your right. So deal the top card to your left, the next card to your right, and then etc. until you have five cards in front of you. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the fun part. You're going to think of any number somewhere between one and five. In other words, not one or five. Keep it interesting. Pick a number between one and five. Any number. Starting on your left, count your secret number from left to right. So you'll start with one card, then go move to the second card, etc. Whatever num your number is, stop on that number. Turn over the card at that number face up. Okay, turn that card face up. Now, put your finger on that card you just turned face up, and that'll be number one. And then, once again, count your secret number moving to the right. Eventually, you're going to get to the end of the line, in which case you just loop back to the left and continue counting. Mm -hmm. You're going to repeat this, counting your secret number, until there are four cards face up on the table and there's only one card face down. Now, clearly, I'm doing this podcast right now. I'm talking to you guys over a microphone. This isn't live. I can't see you. And I have no idea what that secret number that you thought of was. However, I'm going to make, I'm going to use my intuition here, and I'm going to say that out of the four face-up cards on the table, the face-down card is the card to your extreme left. The leftmost card is the one that's face-down. Not only that, but when you turn that card face-up, it will be the card you selected at the beginning of this experiment. What? Trust me. It's going to work. The far left card. That's going to be the one that you picked at the beginning. Now, I know that right now this sounds very abstract, David, because we're just sitting here. Yeah. And I haven't done anything. I'm just describing what you do. But if you do this with cards in hand, I think it's going to work. Okay. Thank you so much for that, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Mystery. Things worth waiting for <laughs> and mistakes that turn into uh, advantageous positives. Yes. Ne negatives that become positives. Negatives that become positives. Thank you for that. Sure. I can't wait to try it. Yeah. Well then, I think we're ready to come back. Matthew has a, had a great suggestion. What's that? Do you remember the first VHS tape you ever rented? Yes. And it's the same VHS tape I also bought later on. But yes, I remember the very first VHS, VHS tape I rented, 1983. My parents had just bought a VCR. And paid $800 for it. They were. It was like eight to, or eight or 900 I think. Yeah, they, paid a lot. they got the forehead one, which was really the oh, fancy one, not the two-head, yes. the forehead. Yes. And, and it had a wireless remote and everything. Top loading, um, front loading. Uh, front loading. Front was, loading with the was, motor. With the motor. We're not yep. savages. Yep. Uh, first movie ever rented was Airplane. Oh, God, what a great movie. One of my favorite. And, and later on, like a couple years later, I actually bought it. It was the first movie I ever bought, too, was Airplane. Wow. I loved Airplane. I saw it 
in the theater as a kid. I saw it during a double feature of Popeye and Airplane. Oh my God. And I love the movie. So when we got our VCR, the first thing I wanted to watch was Airplane. I, I remember seeing it in the theater in the yeah. original release yeah. in 1980. Yep. So I would have been 12. It's I think that the the, the Zaz guys, the, the um, Zucker Abrams, Zucker guys, yeah. they there was a certain alchemy that they that no one else was able everyone tried to imitate them and i don't think i mean some movies were kind of funny like some of the scary movies they're kind of funny but no one got close to what they did with those original movies like airplane top secret naked gun those were just top secret is still one of my favorite Favorite. all-time movies great top secret is so underrated it's they're probably their best to be honest it's really good i I think Um, so too yeah Um, a good example is airplane 2 yes because they weren't involved in it and there's so much of it that's kind of similar yeah and it kind of gives you the same. It's the yeah. same flavor, but it's not. It's, it's not, not exactly the same. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, it's it's funny. It's only I as a kid I enjoyed it. I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much now. But Airplane Two was okay. But the first Airplane, oh and Top Secret, God. just hands down. Did classics. you did you steal the the tape on the bare boobies? <laughs> of course, of course. Even I did that. Come on, you got to do it. Um, so we're back from commercial now. We're back. We are in the bedroom. Oh. The show this show takes place in the bedroom and the cafeteria. Yeah, that's it. Two sets. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. Um so Natalie now has a sheet covering her lower bunk. And it has written out it looks like maybe in tape. Yeah. She's written private. Trespassers will be shot. Mm, wow. Violent. So violent. Um Tootie and Joe are sitting on the bed playing checkers. Did you notice that? Oh, I didn't actually. I didn't really It's notice it's so funny for how quote unquote busy the girls are. Yeah. How they've got so much studies and then they've got this setting up and feeding everybody three meals a day and yet when they need them to be doing how often it'll be like oh they're just sitting reading a magazine yeah yeah it's like why is the default not the schoolwork we do get that later to the show's credit we do get them working later with that but um uh natalie comes in with a stack of papers and she says well here we go new house rules hot off the press and what we learn has been happening is Natalie and Blair together have been compiling a list of rules that they all have to follow so right. as not to invade their each other's privacy. Right. And so while Natalie is going over the changes, Tootie is leaning over looking at it. And Natalie says, Tootie, you're violating rule number four. No reading over a person's <laughs> shoulder. And then um, uh, at one point, Joe walking past the desk sees that Blair has a big box of baking soda and she's like what's with the baking soda and they're like ah, 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 rule number five no explanations and it's just crazy it's it is, one of those it's and it's that has such a Brady Bunch yes short of the I'm taping down the middle of the room and this is my side and this is your side it yeah. really smells a lot like that yeah it you know and what you said you're right it feels like they're like like they're not 10 they're like what are they pushing twenty? No, we're not. They're not that old. No, they're in their mid-teens. Mid-teens. Yeah, okay. they're like yeah, so, they're, some they're of them between fourteen 20. and seventeen. All yeah. right, technically. So, but right, but it feel it, you're right. It does feel more immature than that. And I think that's what got to me about it. Like it was just odd. Yeah, and then um, the phone rings. Yeah, and I'm going to ask you, where is that phone? Where is the phone located, Cameron? Do you know? Um, I might have been looking down writing when it rang. I'm not sure. Where is the phone? We. We never learn. The only phone that they have access to, that they can use, is the big-ass payphone in the parlor, which is down past the cafeteria. Like, you have to come down the stairs, through the kitchen, through the cafeteria, into the parlor, where we are never in the parlor in this. 
Um, so uh, I think I think they call it the lounge, but I like parlor because it's gay. Um, so the fact that the phone, we hear the phone ring, and it sounds like it is in the next room. Yeah. And phones have always been a weird thing for this show for me because we have, I believe at one point, one of the girls said they overheard Mrs. Garrett talking on the phone to her son in her bedroom. So there is the implication that does Mrs. Garrett have her own phone in her room? Yeah. In which case, why are the girls not constantly using it instead right. of the pay phone? Yeah. But um, then we do have a phone in the kitchen that uh-huh. is not a pay phone, but that's like literally the school like phone. An, like, like an internal line. Yeah, kind it's of like thing. A, okay. a thing. But yeah. but there have been external calls as well. Oh, there have been. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But it's it's not a pay phone, but it uh-huh. is the it's a business line. Right. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. But the right. fact that we hear the phone ring and the joke being that, well, due to the rules, nobody can answer one another's phone calls. Okay. And they're like, well, we don't know who the phone call is for. Yeah. Because caller ID is not going to be invented for another 10 years. Yeah. And um, at one point, a, a great dig is. So to wrap up, that thought is just this mysterious phone that we hear ringing Sounds awfully close, but the only phone it could be is the phone in the parlor, which is on another level, a distance away. Like, it would be the faintest of rings. Isn't that interesting? So, just another one of those, oh, we need a phone ring, so it's going to be a sound effect. (laughs) Yeah, that's lame. Yeah. But, um... But Natalie is the one who says, ah, ah, no, rule number nine, no answering each other's other people's phone calls. Yes. And Blair goes right back and says, well, that's easy for you to say. You never get any. Yes. <laughs> it's like, ooh. And, and that is, I believe, how it's worded. You never get, get any. any. Meaning, yeah. you ain't N- fucking. fucking. Yep. And, and neither is Blair, really. We know that. Um, so the phone rings, and then the phone stops ringing. The old thing of, oh, no, we've ruled ourselves out of getting our phone calls. What are we going to do? But then Mrs. Garrett comes in, still nervous about this whole speech thing. So this all takes place in a day. Yeah. This is all in one, one day. day. Yes. So Mrs. Garrett comes in and now she is so nervous she has nothing to wear. She needs to find something. So she says, does anyone go to want to go to Harrison's with Harrison's, me? Harrison's, yes. And we've been to Harrison's before. That's yeah. where Joe shoplifted the blouse and then was supposed to work off the, the dead and never did. <laughs> But the fact she says, I want to go to Harrison's and Tootie and Joe are like, yep, get us the fuck out of this. Yes. Stupid stupidity. Um, Joe has a joke here. Usually Joe is good with her Eve Arden lines, her little Virginia Gray side cracks. Um, Joe says, yeah, we'll go. Um, I can't stand watching the two of them watch each other. It's like living in Poland. Whoa. And it's like cricket, cricket cricket and i'm like is uh, poland was not in the news that i recall in 82 i don't remember that either it was you know it was we were in the still in the middle of the cold war the cold war was still very cold in the early 80s so the russian culture any any slavic connected russian culture anything related to that over there i'm aware poland is a different country but the fact is anything in that sort of part of the world that wasn't really other than we're afraid they might nuke us at any moment Right, but 
But I mean, yeah, that was kind of like a. I hope that wasn't like a World, World War, II. War II reference. Thank That's you. what I was thinking too. And I'm like, why would again? How old are the people who write this goddamn yeah. show? <laughs> Agree, because it's like, is is that a joke about the neighbors watching their their Jewish neighbors I, and keeping an eye on them and turning yeah, them in? I mean, maybe? is this is this literally a Holocaust joke? Jesus, fuck. Anyway, Ooh. it did not get the laugh. Though try though she did, Nancy McKeon to get you know the laugh out of it. She delivered it as best she could, but wow, from a writing standpoint. At which point, Mrs. Garrett does say, "Who was that on the phone?" And they're like, "We didn't answer." And Mrs. Garrett's like, "Well, she's Mrs. Garrett's too nervous to deal with this." So then we move on to the final scene of the show in the cafeteria. Tootie uh, and Joe are. Now, apparently they've gone shopping already with Mrs. Garrett. Right. Now, Tootie and Joe are doing their studies at one of the tables. And then, um, oh, oh, oh. And the other scene, I, I forgot. Big important thing. Natalie has now put a combination lock oh, on her foot locker. And she can't remember the combo. So in the previous scene, we're introduced to the fact that she's doing it. As a matter of fact, she says, yep, and no one will know the combination. And she says, only place is right up here, as she points to her right, head. Right. And Blair says, well, it has a lot of room. Ha uh, <laughs> ha! Score for Blair. Yes, Blair is it. And here's the thing. It's like, Blair, you looked in her diary. You are still the even though you theoretically were thinking you were doing it for good reasons. It's like, you do realize you were, this requires an I'm sorry. Not it I'm sorry, really but really does. Yeah, she really. She was. It's like horrible. Blair. You are really, yeah. really in the wrong. She was really terrible. Yeah, Natalie's retaliations uh, founded, in yeah, my opinion. Absolutely. You go. Give her what for, girl. Yeah. She's um, a horrible person. So then, um, Mrs. Garrett. Uh, so then, now in the cafeteria, Natalie comes to Tootie and says, "Hey, okay, I know I'm violating a rule by interrupting study time, but I really need your help." And so she's like, "Okay, what?" At which point she says, I've forgotten the combination to my locker. And and Tootie's like, well, I can't help you. You didn't tell me. You didn't tell anybody. And Joe's like, yeah, I think you're kind of screwed there. At which point Natalie's like, I have a 10-page paper in that locker that is due tomorrow. If I can't get to it, I have to start over from scratch. Yeah. And uh, how 80s is that? It's not like I need to print right. off another copy yeah. over the computer lab. Yeah, I gotta write the whole thing. Yeah, longhand. Yeah, yeah. and uh, but the deal is, um, uh, and of course, what does she say? And who do I have to thank for this? And she looks at Blair, and Blair looks over at her and smiles warmly. <laughs> but uh, it's just the fact that this has become a Blair and Natalie at each other episode, based on. Blair being the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. And not just freely admitting it. Right, right. It's not like, I mean, Natalie didn't really do any. I mean, yes, she wrote she wrote some things, unflattering things about her. But, yeah. you know, she could apologize and they can move on with their lives. Yeah. And and the fact is that we do later get an explanation as to why Natalie wrote those things, why those didn't come out sooner. But you see, Blair, th- Blair sees herself, and I guess this is character consistent. Blair sees herself as the wounded party because right. of the insults because she insult. uncovered. Yeah. Anyway, Mrs. Garrett comes out in her new blouse, and she's all still nervous. Does this say knowledgeable and confident, forceful, authoritative? Or does it just say cheap? And it is a bland, 
matronly blouse. I swear she's worn this before. Yeah. The only thing is, in one of the close-ups, it looks like it might have a little sparkle to it. Oh. And maybe shiny. they thought that was reading more than it was. Yeah. And granted, this is, you know, the quality of my recordings is not top quality. But um, that could be what's going on there. But the deal is, Mrs. Garrett is really, it's like, we get it. You're nervous about this speech. Still doesn't have an opening. Still doesn't have it. But she's plotted out her route. She knows she has to leave and she's already running late. And oh, here, Blair, here is the stuff you need for your chemistry experiment. Right. Mrs. Garrett hands her a box full of beakers or glasses or anyhow. Yeah, we don't know what the hell this chemistry experiment is exactly, do we? It is so fucking nebulous it is we just well yeah blair even says oh thank you i'm about to do my experiment yeah. i'm about to make history it's like i don't think that's what the assignment was right and what the assignment it, was probably to make cupric oxide right you know it's like <laughs> anyway so what happens is the phone rings and mrs g is like well is one of you gonna get it and they say, well, we can't, Mrs. Garrett. And she's like, you don't expect me. And then finally, Mrs. Garrett, in her anger, goes over and runs out of the room. And it's the same. And this, she goes to the parlor. She does. To okay. answer the phone. Yeah. So that's got to be the phone. That's the only phone. Yeah, the phone. That we the heard phone. just as clearly five rooms away. Mm-hmm. And then um, Mrs. Garrett and Mrs. Garrett comes back and she says it was Paul for you, Blair. I told him you were busy. And Blair says, Paul who? And Mrs. Garrett's like, Paul Anderson. And Natalie says, that toad. <laughs> and so Mrs. Garrett, this is, this is what you call on the nose writing. Mrs. Garrett says, this is her line. I don't believe this. From a writer's standpoint. Yeah. It's like, you don't need to have a character say, I don't believe this. I can't believe what I'm hearing. That should be already implicit in the actual dialogue you should be saying. Yes, yes. So Mrs. Garrett didn't need to say that. But what she did need to say, she does say is, I'm going to deal with you later, but right now I'm dealing with me. I still don't have an opening for my speech and I've got to leave. And she says, maybe something funny will happen between here and Poughkeepsie. And her exit line is, where is Milton Berle when you need him? Milton Berle. Milton Berle. Yeah. Who was, he had been making the rounds in the variety show circuit. Of course. In the 70s, yeah. but it's 82. The variety show's it's, dead. Yeah. We, I mean, We've on, got Barbara still... Mandrell and the yeah. Mandrell sisters. Yeah. That's it. And... But those those vestiges of old Hollywood, old show business, vaudeville, radio. Yeah. Milton Berle is the great example of it. He was all over. The, I remember him being on the Donnie and Marie show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that, but it was, you know, he was old and old school. And <laughs> so much of the writing was still reflective of that. Yeah, yeah. And this was supposed to be a kind of newer fangled show about the younger generation. Exactly. But then, you know, I guess if anyone's going to, at least it was Mrs. Garrett. I mean, and, and that is, and that makes sense. Mrs. Garrett looks like she was a Milton Berle fan. Yeah. But keep, keep in mind what Mrs. Garrett just said. Maybe something funny will happen between here and Poughkeepsie. Mm-hmm. So at which point Blair goes into the kitchen with all of her, sci- her experiments. And again, she is like, I'm about to, 
split the atom and cure cancer <laughs> for my lab report that I hope to get a B plus on. <laughs> yeah. So as Natalie is walking, just walking past the counter, Blair's notebook is open and she looks down and she's like, whoa, Blair's got this formula all wrong. And Tootie's like, what do you mean? And she said, well, and then Natalie goes into some scientific jargon. Yeah. And ends up with basically Blair is doing it wrong and she's going to end up making a stink bomb. Why doesn't Blair have her notes with her? In well, the other room. Agreed. That is so weird to me that she, oh, I'm just going to leave these in here. I think I got it. And then she goes yeah. like, and place and then, all the chemicals right. without so she, her notes in front of her. Right. She goes <laughs> off into the kitchen yeah, to the do kitchen, all this. Yeah, the kitchen. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, because you want to be doing science experiments near yeah. the food. That is, yeah. That is some lazy but, writing Yeah, there. it is. It's pretty <laughs> awful. But it's one of those where, comedically, it needs to be something that happens in the other room. Right, right, right. Exactly. So, we hear Blair saying, My beakers are warming. Just call me Madame Curie. The Nobel Prize could be next. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, you're aiming for a B. You're not aiming for a uh, <laughs> Anyhow, as Natalie and Tootie are arguing whether they should tell her, Tootie's like, you should tell her. She's like, nope, she's going to think I snooped in her notes, so no. And Tootie's like, she'll understand and she'll forgive you. And so while they're doing it, who comes running back in? Oh, I forgot my thingamaflotchy-doo-hickey and runs into the kitchen. At which point you hear a stink bomb go. It's it's like a fizzing and smoke machines. So basically Blair's thing happens and it does become a stink bomb. Yeah. So they all come out and now Mrs. Garrett and she says it just Blair says, I don't know what went wrong. It just started foaming and going everywhere. And Mrs. Garrett went all over me. Yeah. So Mrs. Garrett's like, I've got a shower and change and I'm already late. At which point somebody says, well, Mrs. Garrett, you were looking for a funny thing to happen between here and Poughkeepsie. And Mrs. Garrett looks at her and glares and then softens and starts laughing. It is funny, isn't it? Uh, And and she says, I got a solid five minutes as she (laughs) runs out of the room to go shower and change and be really, really late. Yeah. You really? You got a solid five Five minutes minutes from that? It blew up my clothes tank. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's That's the story. Like, what what else? How are you going to stretch out? I'm late because a stink bomb went off. I showered. Still got four and a half. (laughs) Take my wife, please. (laughs) But anyhow. um, And then that's when the the girls, uh, uh, Natalie and... Oh, she, oh, oh, uh, Natalie, Mrs. looks at Blair's notes, right? Isn't that what happens right after that? Well, well, Blair, continuing with this, I don't know what her lofty expectations were. This nebulous, right. amazing experiment that she was it, attaching no so much knows. importance to. What the hell it is. Ugh, I'll never get my B+. I'm a disgrace to the Warner family. At which point, Natalie says, well, it's because you did it wrong. Natalie lets it slip that yeah. she knows what Blair did wrong. Right. And Blair's like... And how do you know that? And she's like, well, your notes were open and I happened to see them. And well, anyhow, very quickly, they both start to soften. And one of them says, I may have, oh, I think Natalie says, I may have overreacted a little. Yeah. I think it's Natalie. And then um, Tootie says, well, all I know is this is terrible and all these rules are impossible to follow and I can never keep track of them and memorize them. So interestingly, Natalie apologizes to Blair yes for what she wrote and get your vaudevillian writers ready this is a humdinger 
She says, Blair, mm-hmm. I wrote that right after you polished all of your jewelry with my toothbrush. It left a really <laughs> bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> <sighs> if they could have put a rim shot in there, you know they would have. Oh, you know they would have. So then Blair finally apologizes and said, I'm sorry for going into your diary. Yes. And then they back and forth. And Joe finally says, hey, it's both your fault. Could we get back to normal, please? And they say, "Okay, fine. And Natalie says, well, I can't get back to normal because I've got to write a 10 page essay before tomorrow now. Right. And Joe says, oh, by the way, here, Natalie, and hands her an envelope. And Natalie's like, my essay. Where did you get it? How did you undo the lock? She like broke into it, right? And this is a callback to an earlier episode. When they were drinking, Yeah. Joe was like, I don't want to drink that fancy wine stuff. She says, I'll get some beer. And they said, how will you get a hold of beer? And she just looks at them intently and says, I'll get beer. <laughs> Later in the episode, she has it. And they said, wow, Joe, where did you get the beer? And she just glares at them and says, I got beer. Uh. And... And the beauty is, it was a beautiful three-for joke. So it started with nothing. Like the audience, zero reaction. Then when she said, I got beer, right. it got a little bit of a laugh. Then when they get caught, and it's like, what are you doing and whining? Beer? Joe, where in the world did you get that beer? And Joe just goes, I got beer. <laughs> Huge laugh. It was the yeah. perfect comedy rule of threes. Yeah. Well, this is a callback to that, where she says, I got it open. And Natalie says, how? And Joe just more intensely says, I got it open. I got it open. (laughs) And so then we have to wrap up our episode with our 1980s. Oh, (laughs) silly joke. Yeah. Do you remember the silly joke that ends it? No. Tell me. Blair says, okay, Natalie, will you please help me to see if I can salvage this science experiment? And Natalie says, well, I don't know. Do I still look like Moose Jaw Muldoon? And Blair says... Not if I get my B plus. Uh, oh. <laughs> freeze on the laugh credits. Punch in the air yeah. while jumping. Yep, yep, yep. And Aye. back to the vaudevillian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not my favorite episode. No, it, it was such a weird... Yeah, I watched it and I was like, huh, okay, well that yeah. Um, it's it's a lot of sniping. Like I say, it's a lot of them acting a little younger than they are. That's what that's what I felt. Yeah. And the I, idea I of look when you fuck up, you just admit it. Yeah. And the fact that they deliberately withheld the fact that oh, Blair, you read my diary. Right. As in, in Natalie getting mad, understandably, but her also saying, well, you do realize I wrote that because you did this other thing, and I was pissed off at you. I'm right. not pissed off at you anymore. That's what my diary's for. It's just one of those, like, unnecessary escalations. Right. That could have been prevented if, you know. You know, just like, you know, so many Three's Company episodes. Sure. They just communicated. Right. But then you wouldn't have your half hour of entertainment. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, I'm glad you, Cameron, got to see a real episode with the girls, with some of it going on. Not my favorite, but they're all not winners. They're all not home runs. Well, you know, this is, and this is one of the, the first ones I've seen, a normal episode I've seen in a long time, because, you know, I haven't watched the show yeah. for years, so this was kind of fun to be able to, uh, to, uh, it did, it, there was a certain sense of nostalgia, I mean, even though, you know, I didn't love the episode or whatever, there was, there's something comforting about watching these old shows. And, I, uh, I agree. It's like comfort food, you know, in a way. It's uh, your, totally it's your, agree. Uh, 
All right. Well, this has been really fun. Thank you so much for doing this yes, again. Yes. Thank you for the magic trick. I'm thrilled. Sure, I can't wait really to do fun. it now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's hope to have you back yet again I, very, very soon. And maybe we'll, yeah, I, I, I mean, I've seen two very, very different episodes. So wow. hopefully the next one will be even more even more different yeah if if we wait till later in the series like yeah. se season seven or eight or even season nine i can't even imagine it's gonna be like. like it's a literally a different show by then yeah are the girls like 30 at that point like what the hell <laughs> like how, how the hell are they when they're they're in they're in college <laughs> they're in college Two, okay tooties in college wow all right yeah so do come back soon awesome. my darling all right thank you so you much soon. david i appreciate Smooches. it Mwah. Mwah. Bye. and there you have it that was Cameron Francis, back for more, always fun whenever he's around, really enjoy talking with him, uh, and enjoy that magic trick, it really does work. I tried it out, and it's uh, pretty freaking cool. Just consider it one more special gift to you, my loyal fives of listeners. Next week, I'm going to be watching Season 3, Episode 22. It's called The Academy. Another backdoor pilot, so don't be looking for a lot of Blair, Joe, Tootie, and Natalie, because we don't get a lot of them in this one. That's about it, really. Going to have another special guest, of course. And uh, I think we're done here, really. So thank you so much, as always, for listening to the show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Our website is facethefactspod.com. You have to drop the let's. And that's where you can find extra pictures, video, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Follow the show on social media. We're everywhere under the handle Face the Facts Pod. And don't forget, go to your favorite podcatchers and subscribe, rate, and review. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.